Hey everyone, welcome back to the Angler's Journal podcast. I'm Charlie Levine, and today, oh man, this is going to be fun. Uh, one of my secret pleasures has been watching Deadliest Catch, which is all about the king crab fishery out there in Alaska. And I was really surprised when I saw a fella I've known for a while now actually come back from there and start posting photos that he was working as a cameraman on one of the boats. And uh, he was kind enough to sit down with us for a bit. Uh, I'd love to welcome to the show Clark McNulty. What's up, man? What's happening? Thanks for having me. Uh, sort of cool to uh, jump on these podcasts. I've done one before like this, and it was really cool just to chat about it and, and I mean, talk about how intense it really is up there so uh <laughs> oh god you know? i got some questions for you clark <laughs> yeah now, i uh, know uh you're you've been around the water like most of your life i know you do a lot of spear fishing and surfing and stuff um how did how did this gig happen how did you end up working with discovery yeah i mean uh god 15 years of hard work right uh you know really just you know i've, I've always been more of a freelance videographer, you know, sort of, you know, cut my teeth doing my own thing in the water and uh, filming a lot of spear fishing and a lot of fishing. And, you know, it started small. It started with, you know, GoPros in 2007. And then I got, I was over the GoPro thing and I bought a really nice underwater camera setup, probably like a $5,000 setup. And, you know, the quality of the pictures and video that I were, was getting then was just sort of was a, a, set above what it was prior and uh, you know the quality showed for itself and I started getting bigger and better jobs and just started working my way up you know I mean I think a lot of guys have that question that I've talked to that are a little bit younger than me and maybe trying to do the same thing and it's just like you got to keep grinding if that's what you're passionate about you got to just keep going and do what you love to do because we all love to be in the water and or on the water for that matter and uh you know, so it really was just 15 years of grinding it out and then, uh, you know, making industry connections. And I got a referral um, through a friend that worked on the show and and uh, the rest is history. Wow. So this you were you a quote greenhorn this year, this past season? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I went up in October of 2021 um, to film King Crab season. And so that was my first season up there. Um, I went up sort of last minute, um, COVID really threw a wrench into a lot of stuff. I, I sort of was going and then I wasn't going because I didn't have COVID shots. And then, you know, all the production studios requiring everybody to have their shot, whatever. And so then I, you know, thought I wasn't going and then they called me last minute and I went. And so I got up there and, um, you know, it got nasty real quick. I mean, we did about. I think by the time I got up there, we did seven or eight days on land doing pickups and and just getting all the sort of B-roll down and shooting the branded stories of the captains and of the crews and getting their stories about, you know, what the stakes are for them. You know, what's important? Why are they up there doing these kind of things? You know, why are they putting their their lives in jeopardy or whatnot, you know? going up into these treacherous conditions in the Bering Sea when they have families. So, you know, you really learn a lot about what makes these guys tick and what it is that, you know, why they drive so hard to work the way they do and earn the money that they can in a short period of time to take that home to, you know, 
whatever those stakes are for them, buy a house, buy new cars, you know, support their kids, put their kids through school. So it's real life stuff. So it's cool to learn about. And uh, that's how, as a camera guy, you know, we really connect, you know, and create that bond with the crews because we're pretty much embedding with these guys. You know, we are embedded as a crew member, you know, for 30 plus days. Um, Yeah. What was your, your first impression of Dutch, Dutch Harbor when you showed up? Yeah, you know, Dutch is, uh, it's you know, the things you don't see on the show are just how remote Dutch Harbor is. You know, you don't really get, it's hard for them to portray that. I mean, you could see it in the imagery, but you don't really realize, yeah, you fly all the way up to Anchorage and then you, you know, typically overnight in Anchorage and then you get in a small puddle jumper and you fly down 400 some odd miles or whatever it is down through the Aleutian chain, you know, at 10 to 15,000 feet sort of, you know, in a, and just a small turboprop and uh it's it's a bumpy ride and it's you know you're exposed and you know they're giving you earplugs on the plane because the plane's loud and just you know it's cold and you know so it's it's just the journey of getting there was i thought was really really cool wow and i you know i've been on boats a lot and i've seen what i thought was you know rough weather and then you take pictures of it or video and you play it back and it never looks nearly as rough as it looked when you were on the boat but when you look at the footage coming off that show with these like they're out there and they're fishing in like 60 knot winds and 30 foot seas and just ice and i mean yeah it, it looks nuts and it's probably 10 times scarier in real life yeah, I mean, it It really is, you know, it's, uh, I think, and it's, it's hard to, through the camera lens, it just doesn't, <clears throat> you sort of hit it on the head, it doesn't look as intense as it really is when you're on deck. And so when we, we left Dutch the first season, so with King Crab, you know, if you've watched the show now, you know, it's all about the King Crab season getting canceled by the the fishing, the DFG up there. And uh, so the, the crews are scrambling, you know, to... And if you haven't watched the show, it's, I think we're going on, I think uh, last night was episode nine. Um, what today's Wednesday. Yeah. So last night was episode nine of 20. Um, and there's some great footage out, you know, material in these first nine episodes. I got a, a ton of stuff in the premiere and episodes basically one through five and then a ton of stuff in seven. So it's really cool to see my own footage out there, but, but what's, nuts is that you know you come out of dutch and you have no there you just round the point there and you're right in the you're right in it you know so we came around the point. smack in the face <laughs> yeah you know and all these guys what i was saying was these guys were scrambling for um trying to figure out what they were going to fish you know what they were going to you know how they're going to support their families and whatnot so guys were scrambling trying to pick up you know i think the saga picked up uh, a black cod quota from the Eleanor J, you know, and then we on the time bandit with Jonathan Hillstrand, we picked up uh golden king crab or brown king crab uh quota, which is a lot deeper. You fish that a lot deeper than almost twice the depth as you would as the regular red kings. Um, so we fished golden kings along with the Cornelia. There were other boats like the Eleanor J fishing Dungeness inside along in the shallows. Um so and there's a ton of stuff they haven't even released yet so i'm sure in episode 9 10 11 12 you'll start to see what those boats were fishing but um you know you round the corner of the point and i just remember that first day the storm was coming in and it was it was nasty and we we left jonathan's sort of a hardcore 
hardcore dude. I mean, he likes to fish and he's going to run regardless. And uh, he went and a lot of boats stayed in port to wait for that storm to pass. And we went and it was, you know, it, it was 40. I heard Jonathan say he was seeing 50 footers. God, you know, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I was facing the other way, you know, filming the other way. So I was, <laughs> I wasn't really looking at, but yeah, they were 40 footers. Definitely. You know, and then we had winds 60, 70 miles an hour, um, a couple different times. And, you know, I think it's episode three or four or something like that. We were trying to anchor up in, um, below St. Uh, St. I think it's St. Uh, Matthew. Kind of hide out in the lee of the storm there. Trying to get in the lee, but we were having a ton of problems just getting anchored up and, you know, so windy and just, you know, so dangerous when you're dropping the hook, you know, with that much pressure loaded up on that, um, on that anchor road and that chain and stuff and that cable. And there's some stuff I was filming and you can just sort of see the phrase of the, of the cable, you know, and I'm trying to focus in on it, you know, but all this, all the while you got stuff happening on deck with Freddie and all these guys. And, you know, there's a lot of action. I mean, yeah, that boat in particular, just as a fan of the show, like, I think that boat's my favorite to watch. You know, Freddie's like this crazy Samoan looking dude. And Jonathan's always seems to have a pretty good attitude about things. I mean, I'm I'm sure I only see like a little sliver of what really happens, but um, those seems like good guys Were they, did they treat you well? Oh yeah, they were great, man. I I really liked that crew. Um, Most of the guys a little bit, I would say, because I was on a summer bay later in the season and it was a younger crew, but the guys on the time bandit were probably a little bit older than those guys, probably just had a lot more time on the water, maybe just from from age, you know, experience. Um, Both crews were really, really good, just totally different, though, in their mentality um, and how they operate. And uh, but Jonathan was super cool. You know, we fished in some really intense conditions and it's all on the show. And um, Freddie and I, we uh, we were roommates uh, in on the Time Bandit, and he was super cool the whole time. And uh, now nah, wow. I got on with those guys good, and and they're they're good people. So well, you're a good person too, man. So it all makes sense. It works out. But that Freddie, I I would not want to cross that guy. Nah, <laughs> he he's looks a pretty serious. He's a beast, man. He is. He's a he's a beast, dude. He can. He was picking up like four shots, five shots at a time. And I mean, those, the, that amount of shots probably got away a hundred and uh, I don't know. I'm just sort of guessing, but it's gotta be 150 pounds, you know, and he was wow. just slinging them into pots and these pots weigh 850 pounds, 830 to 850 on their own, you know? Um, so you do have a lot of heavy equipment. Obviously, as you know, you watch the show for a long time. You got a lot of heavy, dangerous equipment moving around on deck. Um, yeah. Uh, accidents happen for sure i was actually going to ask you so they show you know there was one medevac like the helicopter came and got someone off the patricia lee which was really sketchy in the middle of that storm but i was wondering how you know do the cameramen also you guys must get banged up too just trying to stay on your feet yeah um i think there's a lot of yeah 100 i mean i think there's a lot of guys that go down that you know fall in the in the um you know, some of the hatches are open sometimes. So, you know, it's dangerous. You have to be, you sort of have to have your head on a swivel. Um, you have to have, you know, you have to have that recall to remember what's behind you, who's doing what, you know, you sort of want to get into that cadence of, 
you know, every hall of a pot that comes up, you know, you want to have that cadence of those safe spots to film to get those angles. So you might have five, six different spots that you're going to film from, or at least I did. Most oh, of the time. like I could stand there without being in the way or. Right. Exactly. You know, cause these guys are grinding away, man. And I mean, I've never seen guys work so hard in my life, you know, and, and I don't want to inf- interfere at all with what they're doing, Yeah. but I, I do want to get the shots for the show. And um, you know, so sometimes it just requires that split second timing to step in, get the shots and get out, you know, um, especially when you're shooting down the rail or, you know, there's a lot of, you know, swell and wave action, wind action, and then with that equipment moving around and shots going over and you just got to be, you know, really cognizant of what's happening. God. And so how many camera guys are on a boat or is there a director on each boat or something too? Yeah, we run like um, two guy, two camera guys on the boat. One guy pretty much focuses in the wheelhouse on the captain and then there's a deck shooter. Um, and I was a deck shooter for both uh, seasons that I went up there. Um, so I went up for King Crab season and then I went back up for a Pelio and Bear Dye season um, on the Jeez. summer. So, um, yeah, that's how they run it. But we run, we got like four different status, static cams on the boat that pick up the action. If you happen to miss something, we're running a bunch of GoPros, you know, yeah. without all that POV stuff. Um, yeah, it looks like there's cameras stuck all over the place that are. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we got magnet mounts, we're sticking cameras everywhere. And, and then, you know, we do a lot of just, if something's happening, we'll cross shoot, you know, the guy in the wheelhouse and the deck shooter will get together. We're all mic'd up so we can, we can talk on the walkies all day, you know, and just sort of really, cause you're, you're producing the show, you know, you're not just filming, you're, you're literally producing the show, the talking points, the story beats of what's happened on happening between the wheelhouse and the deck and uh you know and then you know for us end of day man you're you're putting those story beats together and you're mailing you're emailing it back to you know the the guys in charge and letting them to see and piece the story together and really stack the show so um it's cool i mean there's a lot of moving parts that we don't really see on the show about what happens the behind the scenes stuff but they do a phenomenal job of keeping it organized yeah, no, you can tell it's super well done. And I did see one documentary that they put out that showed some of the behind the scenes. And I couldn't believe the amount of equipment, like Pelican cases everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big operation. I mean, they're sending uh, Connexes up there, you know, beforehand and, you know, big shipping containers full of gear. And, you know, there's a lot of guys up there and girls up there filming, you know, before we even get going so it's i mean i think there's probably 50 or 60 people that are up there maybe um so it's a real deal production and uh you know just hats off to you know the showrunners and stuff up there because they got they're juggling so many things at once but uh they do a really good job they've been doing it for a long time so they know they sort of got like 20 years right yeah yeah it's a long time because if you look at some of the early shows and sig hansen these like this young blonde, you know, long blonde hair, and you see him now, he's definitely uh, put on a couple of years. But, um, you know, what other, like when you were first up there and were, did you ever get seasick or, I mean, how do you not? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't get seasick. Um, you That's know, amazing. I would say that 
you know, the first two days when we came, when we rounded that corner and it went like from 15 to 20 to 25 to 30 to 40 foot seas. I mean, I feel like uh, there, there were two days that I was definitely not right. I mean, I was still getting my sea legs under me. I was like not feeling great, but I wasn't throwing up. I wasn't fully seasick, but I was like, not, you know, a hundred percent, but there it's were guys disorienting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but once you sort of get over that, you're good, but there are definitely guys that I had seen up there that guys that never got over it, you know, and then guys that, you know, and some of that stuff's on the show where, you know, it shows them, you know, throughout the whole trip, just not feeling yeah, right, that's... you know? Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I did fairly well, which I was stoked on. And, you know, you don't, as a, you know, trying to do a job for the show, you know, for sure as hell don't want to get sick or hurt or whatever, you know, you want to get the job sure. done. And how, how, like, are the boats impressive? I got to walk on one of those crab boats uh, when it was here in Florida. Um, they're huge. I mean, 140, 150 foot boat, they're massive and there's a lot going on underneath the deck and all these little passageways and, what was it like living on the boat? Um, you know, all the boats are different, right? Um, you know, the time bandit definitely, um, those guys ate well, you know, <laughs> um, you know, they, they, a couple of guys were really pretty good cooks, man. They, they really did a number in the kitchen and, uh, you know, that was nice. Um, yeah. So they all just run different, you know, it's just like us, like when we go fish, right. It's like, you might run with a captain that's just like, you know, full throttle, you know, and he might just be impatient or he might, you know, you have all the different personalities up there, same kind of deal. Right. So you got some captains that are more sort of strategic and they're taking their time. There's other guys that are just, just ramming the gear down their throats, you know, and just trying to get through the gear because the more holes, the more, the more pots they haul, the better the numbers potentially can be if they're on the crab yeah. and the quicker their trip can be. So they might be running 18 hour days. I mean, on the time ban or the summer Bay, we did, we were doing 18 hour shifts. And so if the crew was working, I was working. Right. So they run seven days on basically before an offload and they would run an 18 hour. So you'd run 18. You basically, the way it works is for that boat, they had a hundred pots. Let's call it. They're doing five strings of 20. So it takes about two hours to run through a string at 20. So they go two hours, they hour jog to the next string, two hours, hour jog to the next string, two hours. So five strings at 20, that's 10 hours, four hours in between, that's 14 hours, plus any current changes, weather issues, you might have to reapproach a string from a different direction, um, start at the other end of the string. So really the shifts were about 18 hours. And we did that for, you know, seven, eight days straight. And then we'd come in and offload get two days down and then go back out and do it again. And I think we did that. I think I left up there January. I left to go up there on the first or the second. Oh no. The 28th or something. Je December 28th. And I came back on February 21st. Wow. That is so, a grind, man. How old are you? Like I could not handle that. I'm, I'm too <laughs> soft for that these days. 40. I'm big, big four Oh, wow. Good on you, man. That sounds that sounds like a marathon. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, I I just can't watching these guys work like those kind of schedules, you know. And I'm just really, you know, just there to document, right? 
and you know i'm feeling like a nerd like can you know holding a 10 pound camera you know after 20 days or whatever my arms are sore what you know these guys you know they're throwing shots you know a hundred times a day more than a hundred times a day you know that are 60 75 pounds you know and yeah i mean i was just impressed to watch how those guys work and just didn't they don't complain you know they get no, they hurt beasts yeah they're beasts um so would you say this is like the coolest thing you've ever done work-wise? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's, you know, when you look back at those things in your life that you've done, whether it's like a big backpacking trip or some really cool offshore adventure or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, I think I can look back at a couple of them and obviously this would definitely be one of them. I did race the uh, Trans-Pacific Yacht Race in 2001 when I was 21, 20 or something. 22 i can't remember somewhere back there but that was eight days we did that on a big 75 foot sailboat you know doing i think our top speed on that race we were doing 30 30 something knots whoa yeah and uh that was one of those experiences but this you know the alaska stuff um the stuff that you see up there you know is just so far removed from anything that we're used to seeing in our local waters you know whether it's florida or you know the gulf and and i fished all over the world and those conditions up in the bering sea are just it's unfathomable of like what it is that you're actually looking at and and the conditions that they're fishing in you know yeah it's for so, like just the cold alone i i would think is tough to deal with yeah the cold is not so bad from the standpoint of like it's just you know you're i think it's more the i thought it was more the the dampness right you're always wet like the the outside air temperature yeah it was cold you can layer up all that stuff but when you get wet and then you're just constantly wet for the whole string or whatever you know those guys are changing slickers like all the time you know drying out gloves drying out boots they got two sets of boots five sets of gloves, three sets of slickers, you know, and I, especially for the guys throwing the hook on the rail, you know, and landing the pots, they're getting soaked. Yeah. That looks rough. And with the time bandit, you know, Jonathan's like this, uh, trickster. He's always playing little pranks and stuff. And there was years ago when he like changed out one of the other captain's pots for an old car that he had brought out on the grounds and they pulled in a freaking like pickup truck did you get to see uh any fun shenanigans like that that kind of kept it light yeah you know definitely there were some things that have happened that did happen on the show i haven't seen it air yet so i, okay. I don't think i can talk about that specific event but you know they're just known for like their fireworks wars and their you know, all the other stuff they get into, but we had, um, sort of some intense, I think it was episode, I think it's episode three or four this year where we had basically the Cornelia got a big grapple hook, the line sort of, Oh, I saw that. And they were pot. trying to find their pots. They were like dragging. Yeah. And, and we went over and Freddie threw the grapple, another grapple off the, so I followed him up to the bow and followed him, you know, he threw that grapple and I followed that thing down to the deck. And then we had some other stuff with that line launcher that they fired off. And 
that went over the bow and then they grabbed, you know, so there's, there was all sorts of sort of crazy stuff that happened with that line launcher and that grapple hook. And when Freddie threw that grapple, I mean, we were in some, we were 25, 30 foot seas at the time trying to land a grapple throw to the deck of the Cornelia. And it got pretty dicey because Jonathan had to go hard reverse both engines because we were drifted into the Cornelia, like a T like almost T-bone. And I think it, it got pretty dicey where if he couldn't stop the boat in the swell, he did within about 30 or 40 feet but that's pretty close out there. Yeah. You know? When you're hundreds and hundreds of miles away from anything. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely can be scary at times, I guess, you know? <laughs> so are you signed up to go back? You going to do this again? I'm not, um, you know, signed up to go back yet, but, uh, I'm thinking that I'll probably go back. <laughs> you sound convinced. You sure you don't want to yeah. like go down to Baja and do a little spear fishing or something? Um, you know, I um I went to I went to Baja to defrost right when I came back for like a week and surfed a little bit and and um I've been just doing been so focused on work. I haven't even really been out chasing tunas here yet. I went out one day and and saw some big fish but just couldn't couldn't close the distance and then uh you know, I got some buddies down in San Diego that have been all over them, and I just got to get uh, got to get down there. But you know how it is here in, with these fish on the West Coast. They've been sticking around till you know, October, November, sometimes even December. So I think I got a little bit of time to uh, work that out on the tunas. But, uh, yeah, I've been – I've been uh, the fish have been elusive for me this year. I've, I've been looking for sea bass and yellows, and, and, and I, I think I'm uh, – you know, I gotta, I gotta convert here one of these days. So, <laughs> oh, it's coming, it's coming. I'm sure that's yeah. cool. Well, I'm excited to see some more of your photos, and um, you know, you said you're gonna send some, so we'll definitely post those over at anglersjournal.com. And um, it's great to catch up, man. I can't believe you got to do this. I, when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, I gotta reach out to him. And and yeah, yeah. well, thanks for reaching out. I mean, it's uh it was quite the lifetime uh, experience, you know, and. And, uh, you know, for anybody like that likes an adventure, that's a, that's a damn good one. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, you are a tough SOB, Mr. McNulty, and, uh, I'm glad you're safe and, uh, yeah, thanks for being, uh, so generous with your time and, and chatting about Deadly's Catch. Yeah. Thanks for having me and, um, anytime and I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, there you have it. If you want to read more or hear more, make sure to visit us at anglersjournal.com and pick up a subscription to the magazine. And yeah, that's it for us. Stay tuned for the next one. Thanks, Clark. Thank you.